Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to this podcast that will come to you in six different episodes on one of the most powerful potential opportunities for the local Christian church. That's a lot to say, I know. Here's the deal. We're going to talk about witnessing, but in a way that you maybe have never heard of before. And what we're going to do is we're going to bounce off some research that we've done at Church Doctor Ministries that shows some fascinating responses from everyday Christians like the folks in your church, like you. Here's what we discovered. When we asked people, have you shared your faith, whatever that means, we didn't define it. We just said, when you share your faith, have you done that like in the last 30 days? And we got a pretty high percent. It surprised me about that question. It was like more than 80%. And when we said, how about the last three years? It turned out to be 90%. But you see, that's the problem with shallow research, because that's not the only questions we asked. One of the questions we asked is, do you really feel well-equipped to share your faith? And on that item, later on in the same research, guess what? We got below 50% of the people who said, yeah, I am sort of well-equipped. So a little over 50%, a little over half of the people said, no, I really don't know how to share my faith, even though they said they were doing it. And then we asked the question, the very important question, we asked, well, in order for someone to hear the gospel and to respond to the gospel— and to be discipled into the church, who would you say is responsible for that? And there were several choices. The biggest response came from those who said, the whole church. <laughs> yeah, right. Like everybody's business is nobody's business, the whole church. And the next largest group of people responding to the choices that were given was the pastor and the staff. It's their job to bring new people into the church and to equip them to be bona fide good members of the body of Christ, the staff. And when it came to the choice of me, it's my responsibility, almost no one, the lowest percentage, under 10%, said, yeah, no, that's every Christian's job. So here we go. We talk about witnessing. We want to grow our churches. We want to reach our neighbors. We want to change our nation with the power of the gospel. And number one, we don't know how, a good portion of us anyway. And number two, we don't think it's our personal responsibility. And we're going to talk more about that as we continue. But we're going to start in this first episode. And I want to begin in what may seem to be a strange place to begin. But I want to talk about the feel-good trap. And that's the title of this first episode, the feel-good trap. From there, we're going to go to episode two which is called the Evangelism Committee Catastrophe. And we'll talk about so-called evangelism committees on that episode, number two. Number three, we're going to talk about eyewitness. That's spelled with a capital I, not an E-Y-E, eyewitness. Episode four, we're going to look into launching a secret movement in plain sight. And that'll be the very centerpiece of this whole presentation of podcasts. That'll be our banner episode there, launching a secret movement in plain sight. You won't believe how easy this can be. In episode five, we'll look at the power platform, which is relationships. 
which already is giving a little bit away of the secret sauce to a revival. That key platform for sharing the faith is relationships, not the institution, not the staff. And then we're going to look at episode number six, Don't Feed the Baby a Steak. That particular episode is all about not inviting new people exploring the faith, not inviting them to church. That ought to be a good one, too, as we wrap it up with that episode number six. So let's begin with this episode, episode number one, and we're going to talk about the feel-good trap, the feel-good trap. And I want to start by sharing with you a little bit about our friends at the Salvation Army. It was 1865 in London, England, when a guy by the name of William Booth, a great and wonderful Christian who will go down in history as a wonderful Christian, who began to reach out to the poor and the street people in London. And it ultimately became what's known today as the worldwide movement called the Salvation Army. It was a brilliant idea that this guy had, this William Booth. He saw people in need, people that were hungry. This was at the time of the Industrial Revolution, and a lot of people were just overcome by all the industrialization. So there was a lot of people that were hungry, a lot of people in poverty. There was a tremendous need for education, a tremendous desire for job training. And so there was this platform you might call it, this environment of people who were just begging for their needs to be met. And William Booth saw this platform as a great opportunity, this environment as a tremendous chance for sharing Christ. And so he started this, meeting needs on the left hand and sharing the gospel with the other hand. And it worked. It was a tremendous movement. And it grew and it grew and it grew until it drifted. Now, I want to fast forward to in the late decades of the previous century, about 1980, 85, somewhere in there, I was asked to go to England. And among other things, I had the opportunity to address the key world leaders of the Salvation Army at their headquarters in London. Why was I asked to speak to those leaders? I was kind of a young man then, scared to death talking to these great leaders. But the truth is, the Salvation Army as a movement had stalled. They were experts at helping, but they had drifted. They had forgotten the other side of what William Booth started back in 1865. They had drifted from being a left-hand, right-hand, two-sided, help people in need, and share the gospel ministry. And so what were they doing? They were feeding people, and they were caring for their needs, and they were not sharing the gospel. So, they were helping people that were hungry become fat, but the fat people were going to hell. Not exactly what Jesus had in mind. Sometime after that, I had an opportunity to consult a church here in the United States, a Salvation Army Church, part of that great movement. Great people, wonderful people, great pastor, a lot of good stuff happening, but they had become the local soup kitchen. Did a great job of helping the poor, feeding the hungry, taking care of needs, but they forgot to share Jesus. We at Church Doctor Ministries, as consultants at churches, have picked a word for this. We've chosen a word for this issue of what happens. And it happens in churches everywhere, not just Salvation Army churches, but it happens in all kinds of ministries. And the word that I used before is the word we use, the word drift. Let's take a look at another great movement in the history of Christianity, the YMCA, founded in 1844 in England, 
soon to be followed by the YWCA, which got its start in the eastern part of the United States, a great ministry. It started out as a focus on fitness that included spiritual growth in Jesus Christ. What's interesting about the YMCA is that when the Industrial Revolution hit, particularly the East Coast, cities like New York and Boston, there were a lot of young men off the farms working in the factories, mostly men at that time. That's why it started out as the YMCA, the Young Men's Christian Association. At that point, women were not employed very often in factories, but the men were, and they were away from home and on the streets, tempted with a lot of stuff in these big cities that they didn't have back in the rural places in America. They went there for a good job at the factories, but the YMCA was there to provide for them an opportunity to have a home away from home with a good surroundings based on Christian values. And it was, it was a great ministry. And then as women became employed in jobs as part of that revolution that was going on in industries, as that happened, the YWCA was started and the rest is, as they say, history. But the same thing happened. It became the neighborhood gym and it began to decline. Why? Because it lost that core competency in its formula. And just like the Salvation Army, the YMCA and the YWCA had lost the focus on Jesus Christ and spiritual growth and development as part of the process. And so it ended up the neighborhood gym. The great news is the YMCA and the YWCA, now rebranded as the Y, is experiencing renewal, just like many churches are today, when they get it, when they get the formula right. And so the YMCA today is a very interesting turnaround ministry movement of Christianity. It's fitness, you bet, but also fitness in Christ. So what the YMCA today is doing is hiring missionaries quote-unquote, for their local YMCAs, particularly the larger ones. They're putting them right on staff, and their job is to figure out how can we take all of these people that are coming to our physical fitness facilities, and how can we introduce Christ to these people? And it's absolutely amazing. Not too many weeks ago, I attended an Alpha course Alpha is probably the number one most popular and probably the most effective outreach mechanism in the world today. It is an international experience, a tremendous movement. It came out of Holy Trinity Brompton, a church that I have visited many times in England in the London area, and it has just gone all over the world. It is a set of teachings that asks the question, who is Jesus? What is Christianity? No pressure, great stuff, great material. And so just a few weeks ago, I was a guest at an Alpha course that was taking place at a YMCA not far from my home in a town called Auburn, Indiana. Well, let's talk about the feel-good trap. Here's what happens. Many churches today and some whole denominations are really head over heels into the feel-good trap which is very exciting to start with, and a disaster as it continues. I'll explain. You hear this from these churches. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. And 
those are churches that have rebranded their mission as helping people. Well, of course it feels good to help people. It's a really good thing to do, to help people with their physical needs. I remember not too long ago, we got a phone call at our office. There was a church in Louisiana that wanted me to come and consult their church because their pastor was going to retire and they thought an outside consultant could be of great help to their church. I don't think they read our website very carefully because the more I learned about the church, the more I realized this isn't going to happen. They aren't going to call us as they talk about our ministry and dig deeper. When they see our philosophy of ministry and our commitment to both helping the needs of people, but also sharing Jesus Christ, yeah, these guys aren't going to contact us. So this lady on the phone said, yeah, we want help and direction to get our new pastor. And then she went on to say, I said, well, tell me a little bit about your church. And she said, oh, we are a very active church. We do ministry really well. And then she went on to say that during the week, their building is constantly filled with people. I said, oh, that's really great. Why is that? Well, we have all these social agencies. Every social agency in town uses our building. And our building is just busy all the time. The implication is we are a healthy, vibrant, effective, successful church because we let social agencies use our building and a lot of people are getting social help for their needs. Well, they got it half right. And yes, we never heard from them again. Why? Because, hey, it's not the whole deal. It's only half a plate full of what Jesus came to do and change our world. Now, here's the ironic point. A lot of so-called evangelical churches are not involved in meeting the needs that are in their community, screaming needs, and they're not involved in that. And so they preach the gospel, they preach the whole Bible, they probably have an evangelism committee, but their big evangelistic program is to invite unchurched people to their building to attend a worship service. That's my buzzer for, that isn't going to work. You know why? Because it's built on the false notion that a building, an institution called a church, can reach lost people for Jesus. It just doesn't happen that way. It's about relationships. It's all about relationships. Christianity is not about programs, not about institutions, not about buildings, and not about inviting unchurched people to a worship service where they'll be totally blown away because it's not yet part of their culture. So we have, on the one hand, these churches that are evangelical. We preach the whole gospel. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But do not reach people who are hurting and in need and care for those needs. And so they're not really in touch much with people who don't know Jesus. So they're evangelical, but they're dying churches. The other irony on that other hand is that we've got these other churches that do connect with people. God bless them. They're meeting needs. They're developing relationships, but they don't share the gospel. Come on, people. What is the deal here? Can we get it right? <laughs> it's not rocket science. I mean, it's not that hard, really. And so, yes, indeed, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. All you got to do is read about three paragraphs in the Gospels, and you know that Jesus cares about the needs of people, and so should his followers. 
but we are also ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for the king of the universe. By ambassador means we represent this guy, Jesus. We represent everything he represents to people. And they need to know about Jesus, not just about us. We don't save anybody. Jesus does. And so that's proclaiming the eternal dimensions of the faith, but doing it in the right way for lost people where we're meeting their needs. Meeting the spiritual needs of heart and soul and the struggles and the many challenges people face is the whole enchilada, as they say. So at the end of the day, yes, everything is spiritual. It is spiritual to meet the needs of people because Jesus did it. Jesus commanded it. That's spiritual. But people don't just magically learn about Jesus because you fed them spaghetti. It just doesn't work that way. And so what happens? We have churches on the one hand that are declining and churches that are on the other hand declining because we can't seem to get the whole package together. Now you ask yourself, what is it that Christians can uniquely give to others? Is it meeting the social needs of people? Well, heck, atheists do that. I know some. They're humanists. They're not Christians. They're humanists. I know some Muslims that do that, are very good at taking care, particularly of their family units and extended family, better than most other people, better than a lot of Christians, to be honest. Buddhists do the same thing. Hindus. There are a lot of people that do this, but they don't know the way to salvation. But they do help people with their physical, social, and financial needs. They do. It's undisputed. And so, yes, it's also a Christian virtue to help heal the hurts of humanity. It certainly is. And it is a fantastic way to build relationships because people who have needs and you help their needs, they're going to love you forever. So if you love them back and you are a Christian and you really love them back, those relationships are the perfect platform for effectively telling people about mercy forgiveness, salvation, and the power to live in love and look forward to eternity. Introducing people to Jesus, Lord and Savior. Discipling new Christians, new believers to become disciples and then to become disciplers. You get this package right and you get ready for expansion and explosion of your church. God blesses it because Jesus did it. It's part of his movement. The whole point of it is it's not an either or issue. It's not a binary decision. Either we're going to help people with their physical needs or we're going to just preach the gospel with anybody that happens to show up at our church. It's a both and opportunity. The very best Christianity has to offer is this. Meet the needs of people in the process, develop a relationship and share faith in Christ because people are not just physical beings. They are spiritual beings. And the whole package is nothing less. I know it feels good to help people in need. My colleague, Tracy, she uh, consulted a church in Michigan and this church had a food bank and the food bank absolutely took over every single square inch of the church 
six and a half days a week and boasted about giving away a million pounds of food every year. A good ministry? As it goes, yeah. Obviously, a lot of hungry people are getting fed. Must be a big need. But the church that houses this ministry, just a couple of years away from closing its doors or selling the property to the food bank, it's just way out of balance. This church that Tracy consulted, the median age was like retirement or older. It has no future. Why? Because no gospel going out with the food. No soul food with the other food. But, oh, is that a great ministry? Oh, it feels good. Of course it feels good to feed people that are hungry. But it feels eternally good to also introduce them to Jesus. Why? Two reasons. Number one, it moves beyond the symptoms of the needs that people have even the physical needs, it moves beyond that to the causative issues that plague those who suffer. And anybody with half a brain knows that many people who have reoccurring struggles, there's something else going on that needs spiritual attention. So if you want to give them the full meal deal, (laughs) yeah, you can share the food or the help or whatever. But also, you want to guide people to the free gift of salvation that has eternal consequences. For heaven's sake, can we get this right? Come on. You have all the history behind you. Take a look at the history of the Salvation Army, the YMCA. It's not rocket science. It's a great lesson that we should get right out of the Gospels, right out of the New Testament. It's a no-brainer. They go hand in hand together. Well, we're going to go into episode two. In the next episode, we're going to focus on that wonderful creation that you find in a lot of churches, (laughs) that strange animal called the Evangelism Committee. (laughs) And who in the world is on the Evangelism Committee? Yeah, we're going to talk about the Evangelism Committee catastrophe. So come on back for episode two. We're going to have a great time, and you're going to learn something for your church. That will really be helpful. God bless you. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, available now wherever books are sold.